It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day. And you are indeed locked on Magic today. It's October 9th, 2020. My name is Phil Brosman. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. You can follow me on Twitter at PhilipRR underscore. On today's episode of Locked on Magic, we're going to talk all about the Orlando Magic's defense in the 2020 season as we continue to wrap things up on the 2020 season. Of a couple more thoughts on a couple players next week, we'll finish up player evaluations. I will talk about Jeff Weltman and Steve Clifford as well to wrap this series up too. And then we'll dive into the NBA draft and the NBA offseason, especially with the NBA finals coming to a close. So I would expect more heavy draft and trade talk to begin I'd probably say middle of next week. Um, I, I think my plan is Monday will be my annual everyone's O&O speech uh, after the NBA Finals concludes. We'll do some player evaluations Tuesday, probably talk about Weltman and Clifford a little bit more in detail on Wednesday, uh, and then look ahead to look ahead to uh, the beginnings of the offseason a little bit more uh, toward the end of the week again, like Thursday, Friday or so. So we'll get we'll be getting into trade talk, we'll be getting into draft talk coming up here in just a moment. But before we dive into this year's defense, uh, let me tell you let me tell you a little bit more about the Lockdown Podcast Network. Just like there's a podcast here covering Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, there's a podcast covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you can only find from a local expert who knows their team best. Want the lowdown on tonight's Game 5 between the Los Angeles Lakers and Miami Heat. Check out Locked On Heat and Locked On Lakers. That is your best source from local experts who follow their teams every single day to get you set for the NBA Finals. You can also check out Locked On NBA for the latest from them. Then, no matter what your favorite team is, whether it's in the NBA, NFL, NHL, MLB, or College 2, there is a Locked On podcast for you. Just search wherever you download podcasts for Locked On and the team you're looking for, the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Before we dive deeper into the Orlando Magic's defense, there was a little bit of news. Uh, a little bit of news that I do think we need to cover. And, and we're going to go deeper, I think, into this next week, like I said. I, I do plan to add the coach and the general manager in the front office to my player evaluation series. Uh, I do give them a grade, and I do I do think about how they how they performed as well, as, as, as they're very vital to this team. And, and, and if you've been following our player evaluations and grades on, on OrlandoMagicDaily.com, you know, you'll notice a lot of Bs, B minuses, maybe a few C pluses, very few As. I think Jonathan Isaac was the only player we gave an A to. Um, very few kind of very high grades, a lot of middling grades. And and I do think that speaks to a larger theme that I do want to hit upon again next week when we kind of recap the entire series and talk about the big guys. But yesterday, on Thursday, 
The NBA announced the results of its annual Executive of the Year poll. Now, this is a poll that is that is conducted of ex- of other NBA executives. There are 30 voters. You can't vote for someone on your own team. Uh, and they pick who they think is the Executive of the Year. Lord, the voting, of course, is done before the playoffs, so everything that happened in the playoffs doesn't count. And Los Angeles Clippers, or LA Clippers, uh, executive Lawrence Frank was named the winner. That got a lot of you know snickering and chiding on, on Twitter um, because the Clippers kind of famously flamed out the way that they did. And they gave up a lot to get Paul George, and he seemed to be a huge problem in a lot of areas for the Clippers. And of course, they're wholly reliant on Kawhi Leonard and, and Paul George kind of being the centerpieces of their teams. So I'm not going to quibble with that decision. Uh, it, it takes a skillful general manager to put your team in position to acquire two big players and to do so with a playoff team and retain most of that playoff team, really only giving up Shea Gilgis-Alexander and all that all that draft capital. Um, to, to do that is still pretty impressive, I think. Um, so I... I I don't think it's wrong to think that Lawrence Frank is the uh, executive of the year in that sense. He made the biggest, splashiest move. He turned the Clippers from a middling playoff team into a title contender. See, it should be that easy, right? But that's not what we're interested in today. That's not what we're going to be talking about today. Today, we're going to be talking about the one vote, the one first place vote that Jeff Waltman got for executive of the year. I joked, give me who voted for him, wrong answers only. Uh, got some good answers. Rob Hennigan was one, um, which I don't think is crazy. Um, but to me, this was a complete surprise because a the Magic were almost completely absent from the from uh, from the postseason voting. Um, you know, I, I, I think Jonathan Isaac got a couple of votes for Defensive Player of the Year as a third place candidate. Um, maybe um, you know Terrence Ross. I don't think got any votes for Sixth Man of the Year. Maybe he got a few. Essentially, the Magic are just completely absent from any postseason awards. And, and I say often on this podcast, you know, the reason why Jonathan Isaac is so special and why we're, we're so kind of obsessed about him a little bit is he is the one player on this team who is elite at something. And, and, and you know, you need guys, if you're going to compete at a high level, to be elite, to be in these award discussions. Uh, and that's, you know, you notice that the guys that win these awards are typically on winning teams, Rookie of the Year accepted. Rookie of the Year is probably the only truly individualistic award. Everything else is about your team and how you fit into the context of your team. And so then it was surprising to see that the only first place vote that the Magic got in any of these awards belonged to Jeff Weltman, a guy who's frankly come under some criticism for the way that this season went. While you and I may disagree on what this season means and, and whether this season was a success, it, it certainly was a disappointment. We all agree on that. We expected the Magic to take another step up. We expected them to to be, make the leap into the fourth, fifth, sixth range, really compete for something, and instead they just made the playoffs again. It was essentially the same kind of season. And so a team in 2019 that seemed to have their future laid out in front of them, now in 2020 seems to have a lot of questions about how they move forward. And, and and as I've said here, and as I will say again next week when we evaluate Jeff Waltman, the next move that Jeff Waltman make is, makes, or the next big move that Jeff Waltman makes, is likely going to define his tenure as the president of basketball operations here with the Magic. I think he knows that, and I think the sense is that, yes, there's, there's, there's a lot of big questions this Magic team has to answer. And again, no one is ever hiding from these. These are real questions that the Magic have to answer, and they have to figure out a way forward. 
But let's spend a little time today pondering why Weltman got this first place vote. Why Weltman is so esteemed among his colleagues and, and what that ultimately means. I think the first thing it means is that, yes, he's well-respected by his peers. His peers understand and recognize what kind of corner he was backed into and, and what he had to do to kind of keep this team afloat. I still see plenty of criticism about the Magic's decision to re-sign Nikola Vucevic and re-sign Terrence Ross. After making the playoffs in 2019, I don't think there was much of a choice. I don't think it was, a, it was an option not to re-sign those guys. Say what you want about it. The Magic have been out of the playoffs for six years. And not re-signing those guys and not maintaining a playoff caliber roster, not to say that the, there was any guarantee the Magic would have, were going to make the playoffs this year, but not maintaining that playoff caliber roster would have sent a terrible message to the rest of the league. Honestly, I think that if the Magic hadn't re-signed those guys, Jeff Fultman's entire tenure in Orlando would have already been undermined. It didn't matter what infrastructure he built. It didn't matter what program he built. It didn't matter how good a coach Steve Clifford was. No one would want to play here because they don't take care of their own. When they experience success, they don't take care of their own. This is a game of chess. You got to be playing 3D chess all the time. And I do think that the Magic had to send a signal out to agents and send a signal out to other players that if you play well for us, if you take, if you succeed here, we will take care of you. We still want to win a championship. That doesn't mean you're safe for the life of that contract, but we will take care of you. The other thing that the other thing that I think that was also at play here, and why why general managers approved of what Jeff Weltman did is is the way that he structured contracts. Nikola Vucevic's contract is completely front loaded. Aaron Gordon's contract was completely front-loaded. Ter- even Terrence Ross's contract, I think it goes, it, it starts where it's at this year, goes up next year, and then goes back down the next two years. Weltman, had, Weltman you know, again, give him this much credit. He has strategically structured these contracts to create some cap flexibility on the back end so that, you know, as Nikola Vucevic ages or, or, or enters the end of that deal or as Aaron Gordon enters the end of that deal, which we will talk about plenty, I assure you, in this offseason because Aaron Gordon's probably going to be a major trade ship if the Magic want to use it. As they enter the late stages of those deals, they become more movable or they allow you more room to do other things. Jonathan Isaac and Markel Fultz are free agents at the end of the 2021 season. Their rookie contracts come off the books. Orlando's going to need some flexibility to, to get those guys and stay under the luxury tax. Um, you know, Mo Bamba's not too far behind them. Having that little bit of flexibility, it may not seem like a lot now, but I do think other GMs and other executives do respect the ingenuity and, and the creativity to do that. Certainly, I think the match paid a little bit more to keep Nikola Vucic a little bit more over the long run, but they'll be paying less on him when they need that money most. They don't need money right now. They don't need cap room right now. Cap room's irrelevant to this Magic team, as I've said before. They're not going after free agents or any big-name free agents. They need trade chips. They need chips for trades. And I think the Magic have indeed created that while maintaining a competitive roster. I, I got into this, this, this point with, with someone online, but I do think it's worth noting, too. I do think there's a lot of respect for the program that Jeff Weltman is building. 
And players are beginning to see that see that respect. The media may not respect it. Fans may not completely respect it. But I do think it is making an impact on players. Say what you will about Al Farouk Aminu. We did a whole podcast on him as well and how he just never really got the chance to start because of the knee injury uh, and, and wasn't playing well beforehand. But, but let's go back to last July. You know, yes, the Magic needed shooting and we're going to evaluate Jeff Fultman on that front uh, uh, next week as well. But the bottom line is last July, Jeff Feltman convinced a starter on a Western Conference finalist to come to Orlando and play off the bench. Just really think about that. Just, just in a vacuum. Forget who it is. And Portland could have used Alfred Camino in the playoffs. I, I do think Portland missed him dramatically. You know, maybe not dramatically, but they missed his defense. They needed someone like Alfred Camino to complete that roster and make that roster a, a little bit more versatile and a little bit more dangerous defensively. And Farouk was really good defensively in in the time that he did play here in Orlando. But just think about it in a vacuum. A starter on a Western Conference finalist, not just a one-time starter, a multi-year starter on a Western Conference finalist, looked at the Orlando situation, and yes, the Magic paid him handsomely, but looked at the Orlando situation and said, I'm not going to start, but I want to be a part of that. Just think about that. Will Waltman be able to get someone else to take that deal or, or to, to make that make that leap? That is certainly a question. There's a question that you ask after every single season. And Orlando, again, will only have their mid-level exception to spend in free agency as things stand today. But I do think it is big that Waltman got that. Now, again, you're only as good as the wins and losses that you create. And Aminu didn't play this year. I, I do think Aminu will play a factor in next year's Magic team. Uh, but... It, but certainly that signing has not panned out, and I do think that is a knock against Weltman in very major ways. And again, I, I want to save that discussion for next week. But I think the bottom line in all this is that, yes, there is respect for what the Magic are doing. You may not feel it. It, it may not be so apparent. But there is respect for what the Magic have built and are continuing to build. Now, you're only, you know, it's like pitching. It's like Momentum. Momentum is the next day's pitcher. You're only as good as your next decision. And certainly, the Markel Fultz decision and the Markel Fultz reclamation is probably playing a role in why he got a first-place vote. He saved a player that seemed unsalvageable. Or his staff and his, his franchise saved a player that seemed unsalvageable. But you're only as good as your next decision. You're only as good as the next choice you make. And one mistake, especially in this market, one mistake can prove absolutely devastating. But congrats, Jeff Wellman, for getting the first place vote. I'm glad the Magic are getting recognition in something. And of course, whenever we talk about the Orlando Magic's foundation, we have to talk about the defense. And this year's defense was certainly a bit of a struggle. So we'll talk about that coming up here in just a moment. But... We all need a break. We all need a little energy boost. We all need to get ourselves going through the day, whether it's after a workout or just getting through that 2.30 just snooze fest. You know, everyone hits that wall right after lunch. Make sure you eat healthy. And that's why Built Go is the perfect, perfect solution to break through your wall. Whether it's a mental or physical wall, break through it with Go every day. It's easy to take in one and a half ounce packages you can put in your briefcase for the most focused presentation ever. Your golf bag to power through the back nine. Put it in your pocket to get through the day. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's five-hour energy without the same crash feeling. 
Plus, it's natural, so it's better for the body. It's like drinking a monster drink with a third of the caffeine and much better results. Comes in three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and chocolate mint. Built Go combines energy gel with collagen protein. Collagen protein is a fast is fast absorbing, so it gets into your system fast, plus it's easy on the stomach. Built Go is loaded with good stuff to ignite your work. It then kicks in to keep you going strong. Collagen promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health, so the stuff literally makes you look better. Visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED and you'll get, 10, uh, you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So we talked a lot about the offense earlier this week. And we came to a very, very simple conclusion about the Orlando Max offense and why it is struggling so much. Um, it, they lack shooting, and shooting creates versatility, and shooting creates flexibility, and shooting creates a margin for error that this Magic team doesn't have. And if, if Orlando's not going to be able to go out and get a superstar-type player, or, or a star-type player that can just simply dominate a game with his scoring, which the Magic still need, then they need to find more shooting because that will make everyone else's life easier. Um, you know, we'll, again, we'll talk about Wellman a little bit more next week and, and some of the things that he fell short in this season. But shooting is priority number one for the Orlando Magic coming up next season. But that's not what this team is built on. Not yet, at least. Steve Clifford teams from Charlotte to Orlando to back, in a, to back kind of in the Van Gundy family are built on their defense and their defensive discipline. And that's really what propelled the Magic to the playoffs in 2019. They were the eighth best defense in the league. After the All-Star break, I believe they were second in the league in defensive rating. And they were just a, a strong defensive team, and that's what kept them afloat for so long. They got to 500, or stayed within range of being in 500, because their defense was so good. And it was dominant. Uh, I remember watching games in 2019 and thinking, this is what a good defense looks like. We haven't seen a defense like this since Dwight was here. And they don't have a great defensive player. They have Jonathan Isaac, who is still, you know, what he was. But this is a team that still can do so much and still grow so much. And we felt very strong and felt pretty, pretty safe, especially with the moves the Magic did make, that they would once again be a strong defensive team. And the goal was to be, again, top 10 defense, top half offense. But Steve Clifford really wanted this team to be a top five defensive team. And again, with the talent that they have and the system that they run, there was no reason to think they couldn't do that. If we really want to pin down what went wrong or what was so different about the 2020 season from the 2019 season, it was the, it was the defensive slippage. And again, with how small the margin of error is on offense for the most part, for the season. Any little slippage in defense is the difference between finishing with 42 wins and finishing with 38, 39, 37, 36, 35 wins. Magic, of course, finishing 33 and 40 in the regular season with, uh, with 
at least by our projections, likely to reach 38 or 39 had the season gone 82 games with the schedule that they had in front of them. P- potential to get to 40, but 38 to 39 seems to be the number that I'm, I'm settling on for what the Magic's real record was. And that, all statistics suggest that, that that is the same. The Magic's defense this year was not bad by any means. They finished tied for 10th in the league in defensive rating with 109.2 points allowed per winner's possessions. They were not bad. But this was not the driving force for the team. If you want to know why the Magic did not look or feel like a playoff team, it's not because their offense was terrible, which we all knew it would be. We all knew offense was going to be a struggle. This team was different, and this team couldn't accomplish the things that it really wanted to accomplish because the defense wasn't good enough. Before the All-Star break, the Magic had a 107.4 defensive rating. That's better than their entire 2019 mark, in fact. And while the rankings do shift, the Magic were a really strong defensive team. It was tough to score against them. In fact, when the Magic couldn't score in November, in October and November, it was their defense that kept them in a lot of games. They were just going after it defensively. They made life difficult for everyone. And yes, in a league where scoring has become such a premium and offenses are even more difficult to defend, that seemed a little incongruous. But the Magic were defending at a top level. Which is why what happened after the All-Star break just is so confusing. Last year, for instance, the Magic had a 107.8 defensive rating before the All-Star break and a 107.0 defensive rating after the All-Star break. Yes, the Magic's defense was one of the best in the league after the All-Star break, but the real reason the Magic made their playoff push was because they had the consistent defense and their offense made a significant leap. This year, yes, the offense made another significant leap after the All-Star break, but if the Magic needed to make up ground, if the Magic needed to make a push for the playoffs, they weren't going to do it. They might have gotten seventh. You know, again, their schedule was certainly set up to do so, but their defense was just a mess. While they had the top-rated offense in the league after the All-Star break, or one of the top-rated offenses after the league, they had one of the worst defenses in the league. A 114.6 defensive rating after the All-Star break. Things were not much better in the bubble. In the NBA campus after the season restart, the Magic had a 113 defensive rating. And while scoring was way up inside the bubble anyway, so that, that I, I don't take the 113 number at its face value, the NBA median, just the median, in the bubble was 111.2. The Magic had a below median defense, below average defense for teams in the bubble. And for this team, again, injuries aside, for this team to be successful in the long run, it has to be built on their defense. Their defense has to lead the way. And that didn't happen. That's not what happened in this season. That's not what happened. And why this didn't happen is frankly, a little elusive. It isn't just because Jonathan Isaac or Al Farouk was out. Al Farouk I think, did have a very positive impact on the team's defense. So I, I, I am excited to see him return and see what that does to the team's overall defense. Chumo Kiki is supposed to be a very good defensive player, and I think a, a training camp to kind of get back to defensive fundamentals will will be a big deal. Uh, and, and to the point about the NBA campus, Steve Clifford even admitted he was so concerned about getting guys into rhythm and getting guys kind of back into the flow of things offensively that they spent a lot of their practice time scrimmaging and just playing rather than fine-tuning defensive details. And, and, and you'll see coaches talk about this a lot, how you know when you go extended periods without, de- without practice time, 
your defense tends to slip and you have to spend practice time kind of kind of retightening the screws. Essentially what Clifford did, and it's a decision that we can certainly criticize, and I think there is some reason to criticize it. Essentially what happened was Clifford's decision was it's more important that we're in rhythm, that we're in shape, that we're able to get through these games than to focus on defensive details. And so defensive details did fall by the wayside with the time that they had inside the bubble to practice and kind of get themselves back into rhythm. So I, I do think that there, there is at least some reason for that. Uh, for what happened in the campus. But back to back to the point at hand, the Magic were ranked 11th in the league in defensive rating when Jonathan Isaac went out in January. There was like one... I remember trying to remember the number. The number was better than it was later, um, but, but, you know, the Magic were already seeing some defensive slippage and were already struggling defensively before Isaac went out. Um, so I don't think it's just a Jonathan Isaac issue. It's not just an Alfred Camino issue. As I've often said here, I think Nikola Vucevic is a, is a rhythm player and his defensive rhythm and decision-making um, is very much, it has to be on point and kind of builds upon itself, but it's it's hard to, to say why the Magic struggled so much defensively. And I don't really have a good answer. Where the offense seemed so simple, um, the, the defense doesn't quite have the same simple answer. Is it just a matter of fine-tuning the system? Is it a matter of just putting in more focus on that end? Yeah, yeah, I think, I think that has to do with it. But every other statistical measure that the Magic care about rated fine. The Magic don't turn the ball over a lot. I mean, Steve Clifford teams, again, don't beat themselves, as, as everyone tells us. And they don't turn the ball over. They protect the ball. They give themselves every chance to, to score and, and, and to have an opportunity to score. The Magic are... Not a great offensive rebounding team. They're about the league average in offensive rebounds, suggesting that, yes, Steve Clifford is attacking the glass a little more, breaking one of the rules that St. Van Gundy had when he was here and one of the rules that the Van Gundy system has usually had about, about giving up offensive rebounds to get back in transition. Magic, actually one of the best transition uh, fast-break point defense teams in the league. I won't, I won't say they're the best transition defense team in the league. But the Magic do a good job getting back, um, stopping transition points. They do, a, a, statistically at least, a good job rebounding. So it's not clear why the defense didn't work this year. Is some of it bad three-point luck, perhaps? Is some of it not having defensive playmakers like Jonathan Isaac and Alfred Camino for most of the season? Sure. I think we would all agree Aaron Gordon didn't have the kind of defensive season that we expect from him. But getting this figured out is going to be vital, especially as the Magic maybe add more shooting and add more players who maybe aren't great defensively. Because at the end of the day, without a superstar player, this Magic team is built on its defense. This Magic team is built on its ability to defend. And frankly, I do think there is a little clue in how we talk about the Magic's rebounding. So we're going to close this examination of the Magic's defense by talking about how the team rebounds. Because it's been a very, very, very thorny subject for the entire season. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
So the last point I want to make before we kind of close up the statistical review of Magic's offense and defense. Of course, you can see these articles on OrlandoMagicDaily.com. I've been trying to link to them on uh, the Locked On Magic Twitter feed as well as on our Locked On Magic Facebook page. Um, the last thing that I want to point out is rebounding. Because again, the central tenet of any Stan Van Gundy, Steve Clifford, you know, Jeff Van Gundy uh, coach team is that they, they are strong rebounders. And of course, any defensive possession doesn't end until you secure the rebound. And, and I always remember and think about a statement that Steve Clifford made during the preseason. Um, he, you know, he was very on it in the preseason, saying, we are not rebounding well enough. We are not being physical enough on the glass. We are giving up rebounds at a rate that is unacceptable to us. And I remember, you know, looking back, looking at the stats, again, preseason stats are what they're worth, but I remember looking at the stats and saying, well, hold on. The Magic are actually rebounding at a higher rate. Their defensive rebound rate was higher than it was last season when the Magic were, I think, second or third in the league in defensive rebound rate. Magic were a good rebounding team in 2019. That was a big, big deal, as they were, again, in 2020. And I remember it was either, either I asked it or Josh Robbins of The Athletic asked it, saying, you know, so how do you match the match those two statements? You know, how do you match saying the Magic aren't physical enough and not rebounding well with, with, the, with the numbers that say the Magic are actually rebounding at a higher rate than they were last year when they were very, very good? And Steve Clifford just immediately dismissed the notion and said, you know, the numbers are what they are. I'm telling you, watching the tape, we are not physical enough to get these rebounds. And, and, and you know, that, you know that, is a, that is a moment where there is something there that isn't measured in statistics. You know, especially when we get into the playoffs, especially when you get into these meaningful games and games that, are, that turn on a few possessions that mean something. That is, there is something there. There is something there. And it's something that I've been thinking about over and over again throughout the season. So, so coach, don't, don't think that I don't listen. But first, the numbers. The Orlando Magic had a defensive rebound rate of 75.7. They actually finished this year with a better defensive rebound rate than they did in 2019. They were 75.4 in 2019. To Clifford's credit, yes, the rebounding was weaker. Before the before the All Star break, seventy four point five. So early in the season, the Magic were struggling with the glass. You know, again, not significantly, but still above average. But after the All Star break, they were back to seventy five point nine. I will note that after the All Star break in twenty nineteen, the Magic had a defensive rebound rate of seventy seven point six percent. Again, this means essentially seventy seven point six percent of all defensive rebounds the Magic get. So you know, you're getting, you know, the, the median is about seventy three usually. The Magic were an elite defensive rebounding team. Last year, they were pretty good this year. In the NBA campus, the Magic had a 75.7 defensive rebound rate, so really no change. Uh, in the playoffs, they had a 78% defensive rebound rate. They were at 79.6% in that series against the Raptors. But this is where I think Steve Clifford's point comes to, to, to bear. Yes, the Magic were really good rebounding. Yes, the Magic did a good job limiting second-chance points. This is actually a big thing. The Magic led the league with, a, with the fewest second-chance points allowed at 11.2 points per game. They were seventh in the year in defensive rebound rate. And they are actually third in the NBA in defensive rebound rate last year. Third in the NBA in defensive rebound rate this year. Again, it's a statistically a good rebounding team. But what possession do we remember most from last year's playoffs? 
What possession do you remember most? So what, game three? Tight ball game, Pascal Siakam at the line. He misses a free throw, and Kyle Lowry comes shooting in and gets the offensive rebound. Saved that game, won that game for the Raptors. The Magic would have had a 2-1 series lead. If, if, or maybe not, maybe not would have, but they would have a chance to take that, take that game. And that rebound haunted everybody. What was perhaps the most important and cutting possession inside the bubble this year? Magic have a two-point lead. They get a stop. And Marcus Smart digs out a rebound. Gets it to Jason Tatum. He ties the game, sends it to overtime. Magic lose in overtime. Statistically, the Magic are a good defensive rebounding team, but Clifford is right on this point. Statistics don't describe everything that happens in the playoffs. The playoffs are about will and, and grit. And while the Magic are a very good, again, a very good statistical rebounding team, there is a physicality that's missing to get these rebounds. Whether it's Aaron Gordon, whether it's Nikola Vucevic, whether it's Gary Clark, whether it's whoever's out there, even Jonathan Isaac, I would say. There is a physicality that is missing. So if you want to ask me what I think the problem is defensively for this team, it's this. The Magic need guys that aren't afraid to get a little dirty. They have Michael Carter-Williams and James Ennis who've given the team a little bit of an edge. But at the end of the day, they need guys who are going to, who are going to look for contact on both ends, to be honest. It's, it's about free throws, free throws too, that are not going to shy away from contact and really impose their physical will. What Steve Clifford has done is built a, a strong defense based on strong fundamental principles. And that's good. That's fine. That gets the job done in the regular season. The Magic have a way that they play defensively, and it is effective. But it's not next level effective. Not yet, at least. And I do think something that the Magic have to do is they have to find players who aren't afraid of contact. Clifford said that day in the preseason that their physicality wasn't high enough, and it's something that I have been thinking about and and pondering throughout the entire course of the season. I think for the Orlando Magic and for several players on this Magic team, you could guess who I'm referring to, I, guess, I suppose. Physicality is not their natural state. It is something that they have to focus on and work on. It is not something that is second nature to them. Nikola Vucevic is a fine rebounder, but he is not going out of his area to make rebounds. He's good at collecting rebounds that come to him, but he is not, again, going out of his area. Aaron Gordon is the same way. You know, I, I want Aaron Gordon to be a stronger rebounder. I think he should be a much stronger rebounder than he is, to be perfectly honest. I think that is a weakness in his game that, that, that he has to get better at. The Magic don't have a lot of physical defensive guards. It's all about the system. It's all about the, the placement and rotations and, and, and where they're positioned. It's not about the Magic imposing their defensive will. So, if you, you know, does this make the Magic's defense a mirage? No, it is still very difficult to beat. It is still a challenge to play the Orlando Magic. But if this team is focused on the playoffs, if this team is focused on taking that next step, this is something they need to think about too. It's not just about shooting and making the offense better. It's about making the defense hardened. And making sure moments like Game 3 in the 2019 playoffs or that moment against the Celtics, making sure that doesn't happen. Because being physical, being, you know, being kind of just in that mode of I'm going to go bully you, to be frank, that 
changes a defensive mindset, and that changes how you can play late in games too. I mean, we're all worried about how the Magic play late in games still, for the most part. So if you ask me what is the problem with the Magic's defense, it comes down to Steve Clifford's done a heck of a job getting the most out of this group. But if they really want to take the next step, if they really want to be one of the best defensive teams in the league, they need guys that don't have to think about being physical. They just are physical. And I think that is a huge, huge thing that, frankly, few of us have actually tried to acknowledge and talk about because, again, we can't measure it. It's, it's You know it when you see it. And, you know, God love Nikola Vucevic. God love Aaron Gordon. God love all those guys. Seeking out contact, being physical, it, it isn't their game. And it's not that you can't play with those guys. You know, those guys are those guys have their place. But to build a really strong defense, you need to be willing to initiate the contact. And that's not always something I think the Magic have done effectively. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, find us on Twitter at Locked on Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Hit your tune in Himalaya, Google Play, Spotify, and all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can find me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. Be sure to check out Locked On Heat and Locked On Lakers for complete recaps of Game 5 of the NBA Finals. And of course, Locked On NBA as well as the NBA season is nearing its close at long last. We'll talk about Game 5 of the NBA Finals uh, on Monday's episode of Locked On Magic, um, or potentially the end of the NBA Finals on Monday's episode of Locked On Magic, as well as probably get into the beginnings of the offseason as well. But that's going to do it for me today. Have a great weekend, everyone. Uh, I'll talk to you all again next time. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Ross and Mike. We'll see you all again for another episode of Locked On Magic. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.